Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. This is Terrence Wilson, lead pastor of Cool Church. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we want you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message. Cool summer is in full swing. And I I told you, we're going to have dynamic communicators coming up to preach the gospel. And honestly, everybody that you're going to see in the next few weeks are all people that have poured into me that I love. They're some of my favorite preachers on the planet. And week one is no exception. Figured we'd start out with some high energy and some Holy Ghost. This last guy that's about to preach right now. Oh my goodness. This dude here is one of my homies. I, I, I love him. Uh, born and raised in the county of day 305. Uh, we have known each other for over a decade. We've done life together, done ministry uh, together. And man, when I tell you about a testimony, hopefully you get to hear a little bit of it. I don't know how you can hold it in because it always comes out. But if you just heard a little bit of his testimony, you would know how real God is. This is amazing. Family man, loves his wife, his two boys and his young daughter. And they have a church in Georgia called Greater Church. Now you thought Cool Church was a cool name for a church? Greater Church? It doesn't get any greater than that. See what I did there? Anyways, I love Pastor Chino Echeverria and he is about to come and bless the stage and bless your life. I promise you, you won't hear anybody as dynamic, as energetic, and as powerful as him that really loves Jesus, I'm so thankful. He's not just a great communicator. He's not just a great pastor, not just a great husband. Um, But man, he's a great friend. And I'm so thankful because through it all, from the moment we started our church to now and even before that, he has always been an encourager, always helped keep me accountable. And man, I I love him so much. Once again, born and raised in the county of day, you know, honor is our calling. So everybody right now, get up on your feet. Come on, get up. Yep, you, you in the back. Get up right now and let's put our hands together for my brother, Pastor Chino. Come on, let's go. Come on. Can't wait, come on Chino, let's go. Give it to him. Come on, would you make some noise for Jesus in his place? And um, would you remain standing for just a second? I wanted to say um, the T and Joe, I know you're resting. Um, definitely watching online right now without a shadow of a doubt. Um, I lo- I'm a pastor, so I know. Um, I love you, man. I'm so grateful. Thank you for the opportunity, the privilege that you're allowing me to be able to share with your people, man. And man, you guys have been friends. Um, as T said, man, we've been in the trenches. We've, we've had some fun years in ministry with some of you guys that are here, which is good to see everybody and come back to the house. Um, I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. We started a church there in August. We celebrate five years, but man, this is home. Come on. T. Joe, I love you guys so much, man, and I thank you so much for who you are, and um, I wanted to shift for just a second, and I wanted to say thank you, Cool Church. Um, Some of us, we've known each other, and you've watched me grow. You've watched my kids grow. Um, We've had times of joy and laughter and crying. Some of y'all are like, yo, who's this black Cuban on the stage? You don't know me. I love you. I'm your cousin. Um, Kaola. But what I want to share with you is is gratitude from my heart, and some of the most trying times I think in my life 
um, especially as a church planner during the pandemic, there were some moments that were weird. Um, there were some moments that we didn't know if we were going to be able to survive. There were moments that we were like, man, do we just shut this thing down and, you know, send TR resume so we can go work at Cool Church? Like, what do we do? And it's crazy to watch um, as your generosity has found us in our lowest moments and how Pastor Terrence and Pastor Joanne have blessed us financially. Listen to me, I'm so grateful for the, I'm grateful for the encouragement that they have given us financially and helped us to get over some hurdles and been a blessing to us, absolute miracles that you've provided with your generosity. But man, the encouragement that I see is what God has been doing through your church over and over and over again. It's an encouragement to me as a church planter to be able to watch the faithfulness of so many of you that I've known for years that have been a part of this church that have served from the beginning when they were at the middle school, at the cultural center here, and I'm believing in the building on the next go-round. But, but man, I just wanted to say thank you from my family, from my life from our church man cool church we love you and we just wanted to say thank you would you do me a favor and make some noise for each other in this place love y'all y'all can have a seat i i got a word that i got on my heart and man i'm gonna try to get this thing out before 5 p.m hey uh do me a favor and would you turn in your bibles to matthew chapter 13 Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. It'll also be on the big old Bible here on the screen. And man, I wanted to say thank you to so many of my friends who are here. Man, I'd, 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 be, I'd be a disaster if I get up here and start naming people who are special to me and that I love. And then you start doing the whole booger thing and I'm, while I'm preaching. It just sounds weird on the microphone. Um, so I just love you guys and I thank you. I got my homeboy Israel Ray in the building. I love you, homie. Thank you for being here. Um, Ariel, I see you, girl. Hey, let's go. Hey, I uh, just kind of wanted to give you a preface. This message that I'm going to share with you today um, has been, I, I went on a sabbatical. And pandemic, after five years is usually when you're supposed to take a sabbatical. Um, anybody who is in any type of leadership understands that this pandemic has sped up the process in so many different ways. Um, we're watching individuals, and I could just tell you in a couple, of, a, a couple of organizations that if I said their names, you'll be very familiar. And it's public knowledge that there has been 20 moral failures, men or women that have stepped out of the bound, out of the covenant of their marriage, that have been in the pastorate, they have shared this pulpit, they have done the very things um, that we're doing that in another organization they're dealing with 18 moral failures right now and I could go down the list of so many individuals and I believe that the biggest one that is happening right now and I, I've seen it there's a shift that I believe that is about to hit the kingdom of God and I'm, I'm excited about it but it's not cute it's something that's going to come through blood, through tears, through pain. But I'm believing that there's going to be a shift. But what I've noticed is that every time that it's at the beginning of something, every time that something is about to be started or something is about to be birthed, there's always some dis dis destroying type of attack from the enemy. Think about the Old Testament and think about the New Testament. Think about the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Look at Moses and every child that was killed when Moses was a baby. Look at every child that was killed when Jesus was a baby. It's always at the beginning of every idea that you've had that you've encountered the most trouble at the very beginning because you have this idea and then discouragement hits you distraction hits you and then before you know it there's a disunity between you and that promise and between you and God and I believe that heading into this next season of life there has to be rest that's involved in this 
So when I see what your pastors are doing, you have no idea how big that is. You, you think they sitting on a beach somewhere, and I hope they go sit, they've earned it to go sit on a beach somewhere, sit by a pool somewhere. Like they've earned that. But yo, in this season, what they're doing is that they're getting healthy. They're taking their lives and they're bringing it before God and they're bringing it together. Can I tell you that Joanne is way more important than cool church? Some of y'all don't like that, but I'm, I'm going to go home tomorrow. I'm jumping. Oh, today. I'm leaving today. I'm gone. And Terrence is a lot more important than cool church. Now, what I love of them is that they have been an example of purity. There's no moral failure there. Nobody stepped out on it. So don't start tweeting. Put your phone down. It's, it's fine. There's nothing that happened there. What they're doing is that they're resting. They're taking time to recharge, get themselves filled up as Jesus did. Because the one thing, and I got to hurry, the one thing that has been super manifested in, and pushed and even encouraged and even valued in such a beautiful way is when pastors shipwreck their family for the sense of work. He grinds so hard and he does the church and he has he travels and he does all this and nobody encourages you more than the church keep going come on you could do this hey pastor i got this problem you told me 58 times to stop dating him but i kept dating him and now i'm, I'm i think i got a, something and i don't know and it's like i told you 48 times but then we have to continue those talks and the moment that you don't that's the moment that everybody starts talking about you on the gram you, we carry something that if, that if we're not careful, T, Joe, if you're not careful, if, if we don't put this for, for a moment in the hands of capable leaders, and if we don't step to the side of the mountain the way that Jesus did, and spend some time being able to empty ourselves and allowing for God to fill us, we will continue to be a statistic instead of being the men and the women that we have seen all through scriptures. And the men that we stand and the shoulders that we stand on of men that have shed blood because of the gospel of Jesus. May this be the heart of this church that you always honor. And that you see the sacrifice of your pastor. And in just a second, I'm going to come back to that. But man, please understand that they're needed and this rest is needed. This message that I'm about to share with you came out of my rest. Where I took a month to just unplug. In that month, it was one of the darkest months of my life. Because I knew God was birthing something inside of me. Uh, my mom ended up in the hospital and uh, with a blood disease. And it was crazy to watch her deteriorate in such a way where a few months later she passed away. And it began on my first day of my sabbatical. On the second day of my sabbatical, I was on an airplane here. Your pastors, friends of mine who were in the city were rallying around and they were a blessing to me. They spoke life and encouraged me. But... Man, I knew that something was going to be birthed out of that month that I took off. And can I tell you that I've read and I've studied and I've grown in such a way that a lot of what I'm sharing with you today, this is a life message. This is something that I hope that you would take in. And not only just listen to it, not only just write some notes. Some of y'all might have to go back and read and reread and re-listen to this message. Um, but if you catch it, you will turn this city upside down. Today I'm going to be reading from Matthew chapter 13 verses 1 through 9. It says, on the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. And a great multitude were gathered together to him so that he got in a boat and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside and the birds came and devoured them. And some fell on stony places 
where they did not have much earth and they immediately sprung up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched and because they had no root, they were withered away and some fell among thorns and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground. Somebody say good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, Father, I, John 3.30, Lord, let me decrease that you may increase. Speak to us the way that you spoke to me. Oh, God, I pray, Lord, that we would just not hear this and that we would not just walk away in this afternoon and forget what we look like in front of the mirror. But, Father, I pray that we would be turned, Lord God, into your image, that we would go from glory to glory, that we would become, Lord, who you created us to be, Lord. Father, I thank you for this house, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would speak into it. Let this seed, Lord God, be life-changing. Let this not be a regular Sunday. Let us walk out of this place, Lord, empowered, ready to do the work of the kingdom, Lord. Father, we love you. We thank you for all that you will do here, Lord God. Preemptively, we give you the glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Amen. And amen. Come on, would you give the Lord the glory in this place? Come on, would you make some noise for Jesus? Come on, before he's done anything, would you make some noise for him? Come on, would you meet and allow for your expectation and your faith to meet together and watch an explosion? Come on, would you make some noise in this place? There's a, there's a reason why I'm, I'm, I'm passionate and I'm talking to you about your pastors. Um, there is a fraternity, I, I think, of sorts that we carry. I think you could watch it all the way down the church of Ephesus where you saw that Paul was the one that started the church and then he put Timothy in there or Priscilla and Aquila. He put them in there to pastor the church and then Timothy came and he began to pastor the church of Ephesus and when he was over, John began to pastor that church and this is the very same John that we see that got burned up in a bottle, in a, in a cauldron of oil that they burned him alive and then they put him in the island of Patmos and then he began to write the book of Revelation that we see at the end of scripture. These were pastors of churches. I have never understood this thing because as a leader, as a man under influence, as man who led even pastors, I didn't know what it was for me to actually become a pastor. I didn't understand the weight that I carried when I became a pastor. And in August, we're celebrating five years. Please understand these have been some of the hardest five years in the world. I want to go work at Starbucks, my guy. Like, I mean, we've seen miracles and we've experienced God in some beautiful ways. But, but this thing is no joke. The, the weight that we carry is unique because our minds are not just fixated on, I'm going to come up here and preach a message. Like, I'm sitting here looking at the time and I hope they start the intro video at the church. They got about 27 minutes before they start the video back home. My mind is carrying this. But see what? Your pastors are the same way. Because you think that they're just reading a Bible, praying, hallelujah, kuna matata, and then they come up and they preach. But you don't understand that they're the ones that are sitting there watching everything that happens before you ever step foot in the house. They're looking at the website. They're looking at social media. It's not your Y-O-U-R, bro. It's Y-O-U apostrophe R-E. They're thinking about these things. I mean, the very moment that you walk into the, to the, to the, to the parking lot, they, they have thought about this and they have created a space for you to be able to walk in. And the moment that you walk in, you just fought with your wife, your kids, you wanted to leave, you were frustrated, you mad, you a little tipsy still from last night. I mean, it's just not a good day. And you decided to walk in there and the moment that you open up the door, something just, there's an atmosphere shift. Why? Because it was created, it was strategic that there's music playing, that there's people welcoming you. I don't even know you, bro. Like, do you know me? Why are you shaking? What? Hi. 
what this is? But it's created, it's, it's, it's uh, the architect, Joe and T, have created this thing because they have everything in mind. The very chairs that you're sitting, the way that the lights look, so much of it, obviously they're individuals, men and women that God has placed in this church that are super smart and they have created an incredible atmosphere for you, but it has been under the leadership of your pastors. That they have thought to themselves, yo, this is what I want it to look like in the midst of what seems like a pandemic or not. There's a quarter of you, maybe less than that. I could count 10 people probably in here wearing masks. Though the nation has forgot about COVID, your pastors are still sitting there making sure that everything is sanitized, making sure that you're safe. Because they're not only thinking about your spiritual well-being, but they're actually thinking about your physical body. As you look at all the outreach projects, as you look at all the things that are happening right now at the cool house, they're not only thinking about your spirit, they're not only thinking about your physical, but they're thinking about your mental health as well. I mean, they're carrying this stuff on a regular basis, and I never understood it until I was the guy that was starting to carry it, because I got to deal with you and with your husband, and I got to deal with your kid, but then I also got to deal with this person who is dealing with this. And then I also got to deal with this person who I'm not complaining. A wise prophet told me, you signed up for it, bro. But the weight that you're carrying when you're in this role, it'll, it'll crush you. If you don't understand who's carrying the weight. Because when you start to think that it's about you, that's when you start watching the moral failures. That's when you start watching the individuals that say, I can't take a break. I, I can't leave the pulpit. I can't leave my church. But when you understand and you have the humility around you to be able to say, yo, hold on, I have people that God has instructed me and taught me that I have developed and the mark of a leader is who's following you and you're able to say, yo, this is not about me. That's why I love T and Joe so much, but I want you to understand something. All they're doing, all we're doing is that we're emulating God. I mean, he set up the principle. Yo, the entire kingdom is about a man, God. The Bible says in ancient times, the Greek theologians will call him the archaeo, the great architect. That everything inside of your life, he was the one that put it there. All the quirkiness, all the weirdness, all the things that you hate about yourself, all the things that you love about yourself. The way, the thing, the way you think, I can't sing as good as you are, but you can because you're just filled with insecurity. And you need to tell somebody so that you can step into a place where God has created for you. But he built all of these things inside of you. I mean, he constructed you in such a beautiful way. But then he puts the exclamation point on it. He becomes, he allows for us, so he makes us free moral agents. See, me and my wife, I love her, but if she was a robot and I flipped the switch and I said, you got to love me, and that's it. Like, you, I put it on 10. You got to love me all the time. Number one, that would be weird. Like, I just get away from me. Don't touch me. Like, it just wouldn't be real to me. It wouldn't be authentic and it wouldn't be genuine. The very fact that she has her own choice that she can make, that she can choose to love me or not love me, and that she has competing voices around Genesis chapter 3. She has competing voices around, but yet she still chooses me and I still choose her. That makes her love authentic and genuine. It believes it's real. God didn't put you as a robot where you're just like, I love Lord Jesus, thank you. No, no, no. The very image and nature of God is the fact that he's allowed for you to be able to make decisions. That you can say, God, I love you or God, I don't love you. That you can say, God, I choose you or God, I don't choose you. In that, the moment that you begin to make decisions, you start to enact the very image of God. We think images this look like we look like God. Can I tell you, that's a word called anthropomorphism. It's a big theological word. And all it means is that so that we can understand God, we give him the attributes that we have. It's like if you think about a dog, if he wags his tail, you think he's happy, right? This is what happens with God. We start to think, okay, he speaks to us, therefore he has a mouth. 
He, he, he sees us, therefore he has eyes. God is a spirit. He doesn't have a mouth. He doesn't have eyes. He doesn't have any of those things. We use those so that we can understand it in the context of our own brain. But God is a spirit. So when he's talking about, and that you got to go to culture classes later to understand a little bit more of that. But, if, but what we're looking at is that when he says the image of God, it's talking about the nature of God, that inside of us he has placed us as free moral agents. In choosing, you're enacting the image of God. And Satan hates it. Because it shows him how far he's fallen. The very fact that, and, and some of us think that when we were serving the devil, we were like, you know, we were partying and he gave us money and we were doing the best when we were. And then we got saved and it was like the worst. And it's like, I'm humble now before the Lord. I wear the stripes. Oh, my God. And we think that when we were in the world, like we were good. I was balling. I had, bro, you don't understand. No worries. None of that. Some of y'all like, yes, Chino. Yeah, that was on the outside. But every time that you came home or you woke up the next day and you needed another blunt, you needed another hit of cocaine, you had to drink a little bit more, you had to sleep with another one. Because inside of you, you were dealing with so much depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts that inside of you, the enemy was killing you. You look great. But on the inside, yo, Satan is always trying to kill you. That's his sole job. We, we take the scripture in Matthew where it says the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. He's talking about humans, by the way. But it's still the job and the role of the devil that he's always trying to go after you. Why? Because he sees the image of God in you. That even if you're strung out on drugs, even if you're sleeping with somebody who isn't your spouse, even if you have fled so far from God, you still possess the image of God. And the, the Lord did that to piss the devil off. Look at how far they are, but they still look just like me. They still got me inside of them. I still love them. I still want them. That's why pastors get on stage and we try to pull that out of you. And you think we're lying or manipulating. It's in you. It's inside of you. The Bible says that we carry his image. The image, that word in Greek, it means iconia. Iconia is the word icon. That's where we get the word icon from. And that word icon, when you break it down, it literally just means it's a window that you're able to see into something so much more profound. That's what, that's what we are. We're icons. We're iconias. We're the image of God. We're image bearers of God that you see something in profound that's inside of each and every one of us. I think it was the writer Solomon who said in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, he says that he has stored up eternity in our hearts. That inside of us, man, there's so much greatness. There's so much profundity. There's so much inside of us. But so much of the preaching and so much of the dogma, so much of the teaching that has happened in the American church, especially in the Western religion, is that we get so focused on the body and on the soul. And can I tell you, they're important. My wife is preaching a, a, a fourth part out of a seven-part series that we're doing at our church called Soul Care because we believe that we need to be healthy, mind, body, and soul, but that our spirits are already healthy. I'll explain that in a second. Some of y'all got confused. But our souls are so broken that we have to talk about the identity issues that we have, that we have to talk about the repentance and the hidden sin that nobody knows and we have to turn away from those things, that we have to talk not only about generational curses, which are broken, by the way, Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 says that Jesus became a curse for us, but if you don't apply that payment, then you will live under a generational curse, but not only are there generational curses, there's generational family sin patterns. That's why divorce is so rampant in the family. That's why you punch a hole in the wall the same way your dad did. That there's generational patterns. We, we got to get our souls clean. We got to get our souls right. We got to get our souls healthy. There's unforgiveness. There's heat. There's wounds that people have done things to us. They have hurt us so bad. There's fears inside of us that keep our souls bound and unhealthy. And yo, if I'm honest with you, 
The Bible says very clearly, and James, he said, don't let the sun go down on your anger, lest you give the enemy a foothold. That foothold is the word topos. Topos means an inhabited place, a foothold that he can place himself in. And our souls sometimes can carry demonic oppression, possession, and demonization. This is, that's another preaching for another time. But what happens is that so much of the preaching of the church, I think, is relegated to that. And it stays there. When there's so much more inside of you that God has not only made you a body and a soul and he hasn't given you a spirit. No, no, it's the opposite. You were a spirit before you were ever a body or a soul. It was in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 that he says, before I formed you, I knew you. Before you were a thought, I was already thinking about you. Think about this. Before you were ever materialized, you were always in God's mind, meaning that you were a spirit way before you were ever a body or a soul. So if you were a spirit, what happens when your body and your soul align with your spirit? What would happen if you finally catch up with that thing? But so much of the preaching that we have is just about the body and the soul. Behavior modification. Don't do bad. Ladies, keep your dress down. Fellas, keep your pants up. And we stop there. Okay, let me show you this. Let me show you this, man, because I, I hope I'm, I'm not losing y'all. Everybody said progression of threes. Progression of threes. Jesus says that a sower went out to sow. And when he went out to sow, the Bible says that three-fourths. So understand this. There's four parts. Three parts of the four, simple math here, y'all. No, there's no fractions. This is fractions, actually. Three, I hate fractions, the devil. Three of the four didn't find itself fruitful and was casted away. One fourth of the seed fell on fallow ground and produced 30, 60, fourfold. But please understand it. Some people do not let it discourage you. Do not allow for the results of something to discourage you. No, we are driven by our obedience. Whatever God has asked us to do, that's what we're going to do. In leadership, you have to understand that because everybody's not going to get it. You can tell him 48 times to leave that girl alone. He's probably not. He got to want to leave her alone. But your responsibility is to continue to speak the word in truth and in love. The Bible says that three-fourths are gone and one-fourth is done. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. I want to show you something that Paul wrote in Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. Listen to what Paul says. He says, I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. I press towards the mark of the high calling. Scripture says upward call as well, but the high calling, here's what that means. That means that there has to be a calling that's higher. But if there's a calling that's higher, could it be that there's lower callings? Could it be that there's 60-fold and 30-fold? Could it be that the entire Bible actually ties itself together? Could it be that what Paul is actually telling us is that there is a progression in threes? Watch this. The Bible says that Moses, he, he has this encounter with God, and God tells him, I want you to build me a tabernacle. I want you to build me a, a place where I'm going to dwell. And the Bible says that he built it, and outside it was the outer courts. 
the brazen laver and, and, the, and the brazen altar. This is where all the sacrifices went, right? And then he built the inner courts. Inside of the inner court, it says the altar of incense and the candlesticks and the table of showbread. It's all inside. And then you had the holy of holies. You had a room that was 10 feet by 10 feet by 10 feet. Inside of it was the Ark of the Covenant carrying who God is and then the throne of God in which he sat, the mercy seat in which God sat, right? So inside of that, it's a very small, tight space. But all three of those places are very symbolic. I want to show you something because so much of the preaching and so much of the desire of the church is the outer courts. So many church members, men who call themselves Christians for years, will find themselves and continue and die in the outer courts. Because the outer courts is exciting. The outer courts, it denotes salvation, right? It's where the blood is being slung. And you see the animals and people robed in vestments and singing and, I mean, chanting. And there's just a smoke and fire everywhere. And, I mean, it's so, it's so exciting. You walk in the outer courts. If you've never been there and you're like, what is going on? This is crazy. There's birds dying and animals and being slaughtered and people chanting and singing songs. And you've brought your sacrifice and your sacrifice has been offered. You yourself feel so much closer to God that you walk into this place and you're like, the scales have fallen. I finally see you, God. Oh, my, this is incredible. I love this. And then you find yourself in this outer courts. And it's, I mean, it's just amazing when you first get there. It's amazing for a couple of months. Isn't it crazy? Practically speaking, after a few months, it's, it starts to get a little dull, doesn't it? I mean, it's exciting at the beginning, but bro, after being there for 30 years, there has to be something inside of you, and there is something inside of you that begins to say, yo, what's happening behind the veil? What's happening in the inner courts? Because I, I love this, but there's something happening back there. Why are people walking in there? Fewer people than are out here. I see them going in there. And I, what is happening back there? And what you've been taught for so long, not only have you been taught, but you taught yourself is, is don't question what's back there. And preachers have told you, don't question what's back there. That's, leave that back there. You don't, you don't listen. Don't question God. What he's really telling you is don't question me because I don't have answers. But that's another story. But then you also, you also begin to question yourself because you begin to tell yourself, I'm not holy enough. I don't know the Bible is good. I don't quote all those scriptures. I can't do all of that stuff. There's no way that I can even remotely. And we begin to find ourselves making dwelling place in a place that was temporary, but we make it a permanent dwelling. And we're sitting there and we're living in the outer courts. And it's all, listen, the outer courts denote salvation. It was Passover, Pentecost, and the Feast of Tabernacles. I'll explain to you in a second. But this outer courts, it always is about blood and the sacrifice. And we are finding ourselves where so much of the church is producing 30-fold that was given to you, by the way. Because salvation comes from Jesus. He's the one that took care of that. That belongs to you. That is a seed that he has given you in your hand. But for the most part, what we're doing is we're eating the seed. And 30% is what we live in. I'm just, I'm just glad that I'm in the house. I'm, a, I'm just excited that I get to call on the name of Jesus. And we find ourselves just here, just, just producing for ourselves, And we're just living in this constant, I'm, I'm saved. And Lord, I just thank you for the blood. And, and it's a back and forth that we're struggling with sin. And we're, our conscience is trying to pay for something that was already paid for and that we cannot afford anyway. But we stay in this place where we're going back and forth with sin. And we're finding ourselves constantly living in this bombardment of, I went to church, but then I went to the club. I read my Bible. But then I read Pornhub. I just, I'm, I'm finding myself going in this back and forth and this back and forth and we're stuck here and it's the blood. Pour the blood on me. Oh, if not for the blood. What can wash me white as snow? And listen, I'm not discrediting the blood. I'm not discrediting salvation. Please listen to me clearly. Because right now, I could bring an individual up here right now. 
Y'all, can come up here. Don't do it. Y'all, can come up here. And I could cut Yadi's arm off. And I could grab the arm and I could put it back on her. And she's like, oh my God, I can move my arm. Great miracle. She's going to die eventually. I mean, it's just appointed for man to die once. This temporary life that we have and the miracles that are found thereof are nothing compared to eternity. The fact that we get to spend all eternity with Jesus. Salvation is the greatest miracle that you will ever see. The reason why we bring people up to this altar and then we allow for them to go to a place where we can explain it to them is because we understand that this first miracle is so big. But it's not the only thing. Once you have it, move past it. Uh, let me... Because what, what will happen is that you're sitting in the outer courts and you're, after a while, you're going to sit there and you're going to be like, man, am I crazy? Like, I, man, I feel like the Lord has been showing me things about people. And, and, and for some of you, for some of you, you've even heard from God. And to the point where you even start writing some stuff down. Because you're like, I just want to try. Let me see if this is really God. Because a lot of times your own insecurities begin to tell you, that's not God. Say that to them. No, who? Say to who? What? I ain't finna say nothing. I don't want to look stupid. And you've even written stuff down because you're like, let me, let me just check if this is. But you're in the outer courts and you're like, yo, am I crazy? Like, because I, I'm, I'm cool with the blood and I'm cool with all this, but I just feel like, I don't, what is that? Like, yo, I just want to, let me just go, let me just, let me look. Oh, I don't know, I'm going to die. Maybe not. I'm going to look stupid. You know, people are going to say, oh my God, you're not a leader. You haven't gone to culture class yet. I got to, I, ha I have to make sure that. And then, and then. And then we, we stay stuck in this place. I want you to understand, number one, that God is detailed, that there's a progression of threes. And I want you to understand that God is very strategic in the way that he does everything. That at the very beginning of creation, he gave man and he gave him free will. They sinned against God and God instituted a plan to redeem them. Right? He talked about Jesus at the very end and he gave a consequence to the enemy. But then he also gave a consequence to man. He's always strategic in the way that he does things. So please understand me that when Jesus got up on the mountain and the Bible says that there were 5,000 people there, that the Bible says that he broke the bread and the fish and they multiplied to the point where they had 12 baskets left over. That's the spiritual. But please understand that Jesus was very systematic in the way that he did it. Because what you fail to miss sometimes in that scripture is that there were 5,000 men, women and children, about 25. Although he does not differ at all from a slave. Though he is master of all. But is under guardians and stewards until the appointed time of the father. Meaning that if we're living in a life where we're just battling with sin, and we don't have to stay there, but if we're battling and living in that, then we are children. Though we own everything. I got four kids. My son is 23 years old. July 7th, a couple days ago, he just turned 23 years old. I got a 13-year-old, and I got a 12-year-old, and then I got a 7-year-old that's just, yo, Abby's wild. I mean, she just, she's a different type of individual. But, yo, I can't even, I love her, I can't even imagine if I took my debit card out and I said, hey, Abby, I love you. Here you go. And my PIN number is XYZ. Or if I told any one of my sons, hey, yo, here's my, you can have my bank account. You have it all. Take my money. Everything. Some of y'all are so secular. <laughs> but if I give them everything, here's what will happen. They'll spend the money so frivolously to the point that they might even die because of the opportunity that I afforded them. I would kill them. If I, because he, maybe he'd buy a car, but he doesn't know how to drive. So he'd get on the highway and he'd die. 
I mean, there's so many different things and so many different variables that can happen in the middle of this of me just giving them access to everything that it belongs to them anyway. Everything I have belongs to them. Everything, my money, my shoes, my clothes, it all belongs to them. I'm doing everything for them so that they can have everything when I'm gone. But if I give it to them outside of the Father's appointed time, what I'm going to do is that I'm going to kill them. How many of us, how many of us have been naming it and claiming it, babbling it and grabbing it? We are such disrespectful, arrogant children stepping into spaces that God never allowed for you to step into. And we've gotten to a place, and we've gotten to a place where now I ask God, I need you to give this to me. Father, give this to me. And now we're getting mad at God because he didn't give it to us. And we're getting frustrated, not understanding that because of the mercies of God, because of how much grace he has for you, he hasn't given you that thing because it would have killed you. If you would have went and started that job, it would have messed up your entire family. It would have took all your time and your wife would have left you. You would have had all that money that you've asked for and it would have broke your entire home. There are so many things that we have no idea what God has spared us from because we're not prepared to carry that just yet. Something happens though. Watch this. Something happens because, yo, I'm talking to myself, bro. Like that's me. Like, there's been time, God, why haven't you given me this? I, man, I prayed and I fasted and I did all of this stuff, but I wasn't prepared to carry the weight. I wasn't prepared to step into that season. So I've gotten mad and I've gotten frustrated. And it's only to a time where God, it's like my daughter. Like, I'm not giving you that. Like, cry. Oh, my God. She throws it, kicks, punch, everything. Do, do, you, do, do me a favor. Do that in your room because I don't close the door. I don't want to hear it. I don't hear it. Go over there. Do it over there. I'm going to give you something to cry about. Go over there. <laughs> Y'all laugh too hard on that one. But I'm <laughs> But, but I don't, I'm, I'm not dealing with it. But, but you know what's crazy? That was me. And I've been so frustrated and mad. And then all of a sudden, after some time elapsed, and I matured, they got all of a sudden the very thing that I've been praying about, all of a sudden he gave it to me. And the moment that he gave it to me, it was like, oh, man, thank you, Lord. I appreciate this. But at that very moment, I understood that it was a resource. It wasn't my source. I was desperately wanting something to fulfill me, to be my crutch, to be the thing that I needed. And I only realized that I need Jesus. That's all I need. If I got him, I got everything. And I've been counting on this thing, thinking that this building was going to be everything that I needed for the rest of my life. When in reality, if I would have got the building years ago, I would have died. But when he gave us the building, and by the way, five-year anniversary, August 14th, we got our own building. Four acres, 350-seat auditorium, free and clear, no mortgage. God blessed us. But I was praying for it, but it would have killed me. But then when God gave it to me, I was like, oh, okay, this is, I love this. I enjoyed it more because I understood that this isn't my end. This isn't my identity. This isn't who I am. This is a resource that the Lord has given me. But for so much of us, if you allow for God to give you the very things that you're screaming about, you're an heir. It belongs to you. But in the proper time, everybody say the proper time. The Bible says the appointed time of the Father. How do we get to this space where we move away from the outer courts, from producing 30-fold? How do we get into a space where we produce 60-fold? Pr produce, produce. This is what the church is about. The church is not about consuming. The church is about producing. It's not about you eating seed. It's about you scattering seed. I want to show you something. How do we go from 30 to the 60? How do we go from the 60 to the 100? The Bible talks about uh, David and so many men of God that had in their hearts to create a house for the Lord and they wanted to build a house for the Lord because of all the bloodshed that David had in his hands he couldn't do it so God told him I'm gonna allow for your son Solomon to build a house for me and Solomon went and he began to build the house 
moving from the 30 to the 40, moving from the outer courts to the inner courts, moving from Passover to Pentecost. Watch this. The Bible says that he said, I'm going to make the Lord a house. And God says, okay, cool. I want you to make a house. And let's take an insight real quick into what happened when they installed or when they dedicated the temple. When, it, when at the very beginning of the temple, look at what happened. In 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 12, and it says, and the Levites, those are the worshipers who are the singers, all of Asaph and Heman and Jedun with all their sons and their brethren stood at the east end of the altar clothed in white linen having cymbals stringed instruments and harps and with them here you go watch this with them 120 priests sounding trumpets 120 priests sounding trumpets a house for God is being built in which he would be dwelled. One that was made with hands. One that was a building that was beautiful and majestic. The temple of God was one of the most beautifulest things you've ever seen in the life. I mean, God is so systematic. He put rubies. He put gold. He put things that were of so much value in places like crown molding under and behind that people will never see it. But it belonged to him. He was extravagant. Because for me and you, we're like, oh my God, why would he do that? So much money. What money? What money? He made that. That's, not, that's worthless to me. You value money. I don't value that. That's no value for me. But he said, put it in all these places, and I want it to be so beautiful and so adorned. And to announce the building of this temple, 120 priests are going to hit their trumpet. Dun, 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 dun. That was the Spanish temple. That was the Cuban temple. That was the Cuban temple. We're going to blow the trumpet. Why is that so significant? <laughs> I want you to see something. Because I think, it's, I think it's important for you to understand this. The Bible says that at that very moment, 120 trumpets were blown. And it dedicated and announced there is a new temple in which God will reside in. The Bible says that Jesus is in his last days on earth. And he has a conversation with the disciples. And he talks about this promise that is going to be given to them. And he said, I want you to go into the upper rooms. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And you're going to get endowed with power. And you're going to be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, Jerusalem, and to the ends of the earth. I want you to go to this upper room. And when you're in this upper room, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. Fast forward the tape, Acts chapter 2. The Bible says that they were inside there and they had been praying. By the way, they had been praying for 10 days. It's very significant. Numbers in the Bible, I mean, are so significant. They have been praying for 10 days. It's beautiful to watch it. Those very same 10 days when the gifts of the Spirit had waned during the 1400s, the 1300s, the 1200s. It's beautiful to watch that in what would seem like the modern era, it was William Seymour at the Bonnie Bray House in Los Angeles, California. They were inside of that house for 10 days praying, and the Holy Spirit hit that place in such a way that Pentecost was able to come back out of that place. And they got to the place where it was called Azusa Street. And they bought this little corner lot, which six million people were saved in that place. They took time. Some of y'all wondering, why am I not getting all the answers from God? Why am I not experiencing this stuff? Because it takes time. It takes time with God and elimination of, I walked to the Azusa Street and I stood there and I heard the Lord tell me uninterrupted. It's uninterrupted. But we got so much bombardment and so many things that are coming at us that we, we can't do that. The Bible says that he tells them, I want you to go to the upper room. And when they're inside of the upper room, 120 of them are inside the upper room. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that there was a sound like a rushing wind. And then there was cl tongues clothed with fire that sat upon each of them. 
And as it sat upon each of them, they began to open up their mouth and they began to speak in other languages, in other tongues. And as they began to speak in other tongues, it was the evidence that God not only now was around them, but at this very moment, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit went inside of them. And what happened was John chapter 7, verse 38, the Bible says that out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. This he spoke of about the Holy Spirit, which had not been given to them yet. But in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, they received the Holy Spirit and all of a sudden now these rushing waters started to come out of their mouth and things started to happen why because now God was no longer dwelling in a temple built by hands but according to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 120 trumpets sounded in that upper room. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit, God himself, began to dwell inside of a dwelling not made with hands, which God himself would make his residence. Meaning that there was a new temple that God is now inside of us. That at the moment that we step out of our comfort zone and our outer courts and we step into the inner courts, that something begins to happen by way of the baptism with the Holy Spirit that we saw in Acts chapter 2. Now they have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. I mean, things start to change a little bit too quickly. Uh, the trumpets, right? It's, it's symbolic. Why? Because trumpets always announce some change or it announced something crazy. Yeah, the, the story of Jubilee. I don't have no time right now for you to read it, but I want you to go to Leviticus chapter 25 on your own time. And I want you to read what were the, how did it constitute, what, what did it mean for Jubilee to be? Like, what was it? What were the parameters? How did you fit Jubilee? How did it benefit you? I will give it to you in layman's term. If you owed something, when the trumpet sounded at Jubilee, you no longer owed that. How many of y'all wish they had Jubilee and Wells Fargo and with your auntie, with Bank of America? How, how many of y'all wish that the people who owe you money had Jubilee? What happened? Y'all don't want no Jubilee there, huh? I want to show you something. Look what the Bible says. I mean, this, this is the price of admission, y'all. Luke chapter 4, verse 16 through 21. It says, so he, Jesus, came to Nazareth when he had been brought, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, meaning that it's something that he did all the time. He went to church. He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. When he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and receive sight to the blind. Watch this. This is Jubilee. To set at liberty those who were oppressed. This has always been symbolic, and this is what, what Jubilee means. And to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then the Bible says that he, he closed the book and he gave it back to the attendant. And then it said that he, he sat down. I mean, the ultimate mic drop. He just sits down and it says, the Bible says that, and all of the eyes of everyone in a synagogue was looking at Jesus. I mean, just super weird, right? This guy just, okay, you read that, okay. Dale, fevi. And the Bible says that he began to say to them, today, this scripture is being fulfilled in your hearing. Meaning, everything that I just read on your to-do list, you can check it off today. I don't think you fully understand it, 
because you would be running around this place doing backflips. I mean, you'd just be akuna matata in this entire place. Here's what he's saying. Jesus was saying, there is a time where you owe debt and you would have to wait 50 years for that debt to be eliminated. So in that time, you're still carrying that debt. Some people would have to sell their children. Some people would have to sell their spouses until that debt was paid. But there was a moment when a trumpet sounded. And the moment that the trumpet sounded, at that very moment, children would come home. Debt would be eliminated. They would find themselves in a space where they no longer had to owe that. But they had to wait 50 years. What Jesus was saying is that you no longer have to wait for a jubilee. I am jubilee. I am the forgiveness of your debt. I have paid the cost for your depression. I have paid the cost for your anxiety. I have paid the cost for your sins. The debt that the enemy has placed on you. Where sometimes you think I can't go behind the veil because there's so much stuff inside of me. I, I've done so much wrong. I paid for that. I am Jubilee. So at the moment that you step out of the outer courts dealing with the issue of blood and you step into Pentecost where you allow for the Holy Spirit now to dwell inside of you, at that moment now you're walking in the forgiveness of debt. You are no longer bound to your sin. You are no longer bound to your mistakes. You are no longer bound to your past. Something begins to happen inside of you the moment that you walk out of the outer courts and you walk into the inner courts and you begin to produce 60-fold. Now some stuff starts to change because this is what happened. We get so focus on them speaking in tongues but we don't understand the miracles that happened behind that that speaking in tongues was great they got filled and then in Acts chapter 4 they got filled again did you know that did you know that the very same people that were in the room the very same way that they got filled in Acts chapter 2 the Bible says that Peter gets arrested because he was preaching and all of a sudden Galamamel which was one of the guys that raised Paul told him yo don't don't fight against them I'm telling you. And this guy gets released. Peter gets released. The Bible says that they went back to the house where everybody was at. And he told them, yo, these people told us not to talk about Jesus. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm going to talk about Jesus forever. And here it is that the building began to shake where they were praying at. And they got filled with the spirit. That just happened in Acts chapter 2. Why? Because now we're not just talking about a spirit and filament. Which some of y'all, when I said you're filled with the spirit, now you can walk in. Some of y'all were like, when I got saved, I got filled with the spirit. The spirit was in you. Salvation, it belongs to you. He's going to help you to walk through life, but the empowerment of the Spirit, we're talking about something completely different now. This is something that you began to see where Paul, in the Bible, he says that he was filled with the Spirit, and then all of a sudden in Acts chapter 13, he was filled with the Spirit again. This is something that happens continually. Why? Because it's a fulfillment. It's something that happens to you for works, not for salvation. This is moving away from the outer courts and moving into the inner courts. I told y'all, some of y'all got to go listen to the message again next week. But yo, walking into the inner courts, now all of a sudden, when you're in the inner courts, there is an empowerment that comes upon you. And the Bible talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 13 and 14, where he begins to say, my brothers and sisters, Paul says, I don't want you to be ignorant. That word ignorant, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. That word ignorant means agneo. Agneo is where we get our word in the English language, agnostic. Agnostic just means, I don't know if God is real or not. I don't care. I'm not trying to figure all that out. I got a life to live. And that's how we do with God sometimes. Living in the outer courts, we're like, I don't know this, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what that is. Joel Marcellus, one of my dearest friends, I love this guy immensely, and I've told you this personally, but one of the most, I believe, a prophetic voice. Here's what prophecy means, like the word prophecy, the, the office of a prophet and prophecy are two totally different things. There is the word of wisdom and there is the word of knowledge, but when we think of prophecy, we think that we have to say something. I saw you in your room, and tomorrow $100 is going to be in your front lawn. 
Prophecy is to encourage, to edify, and to comfort. Now, what I want you to understand is that, Joe, you've been doing that. I'm in, I'm in Georgia, and I have a product of your faithfulness and your seed in my church leading worship. Cool Church has it. Trinity has it. Voo Church. I could go down the list of individuals that you have spoken into, that you have built up, and because of your faithfulness, your loyalty, yo, we're watching this thing. You are a prophetic voice. When you get up here and sing, this isn't just about you singing. There's something that gets released. The people around you begin to feel it, and they start to get them. You're like the LeBron. You know what I mean? Like you make everybody around you better. The reason why I say that to him, and I've, I've talked to him about it, but the reason why I say that to him is because we relegate the gifts of the Spirit to regular gifts. This is what happens. Joel can sing. I can't sing. I sing solo. Solo, you can't hear me. I'm a tenor. I sing 10 or 20 miles down the road. All the jokes, corny jokes, corny jokes. I don't got time. I got to go. But, but I mean, this is, we relegate the gifts of the Spirit to that. He has it. I don't have it. I can't sing. I don't have the vocal cords. When the Bible says in 1 Corinthians, I don't want you to be ignorant. It was given to everyone for the profit of everyone and the edification to build up the church. That every single one of us have a responsibility, but we also have a privilege to be able to experience the gifts of the Spirit. That when we walk into the inner courts, when we walk into this place where we start to produce 60-fold, now we start working in threes. Everybody say the progression of threes. The progression of threes. First Corinthians talks about three different places in scripture. Three different places that I think we can walk into. Number one, it's the revelation gifts. It's the word of wisdom. It's the word of knowledge. The discerning of spirits. The word of wisdom is that God shows you something that has not happened yet. The word of knowledge that God begins to show you something that actually happened. And then the, the discerning of spirits. Not only do you know who's coming or know who an evil spirit and a good spirit, but here's Nathaniel, a man in which there is no guile. When you get into a business meeting, God begins to reveal to you these people are coming with good intentions or bad intentions it's not a kooky weird stuff but God starts to show you some some of y'all already got that gift inside of you where you're starting to see those things they're the power gifts the gifts of healings healing in itself it's a progress some of y'all been praying for somebody and they haven't been healed it's healing in essence is a process Jesus himself prayed for somebody they spit in his eye he said what do you see I see men like trees and then he prayed again for the man and then he was healed if Jesus got two tries I get 38 tries I get infinity tries but it's the gifts of healings. And then there's gift of miracles. Miracles is where our arm grows back. Miracles where the Red Sea splits wide open. Miracles where you see the thing that you believe for and all of a sudden it happened. And then the gift of faith. The gift of faith is where you believe for something and God materializes it and all of a sudden it happens. Like, I mean, I mean just, it just happens and you're like, I don't know. I don't have a clue how it happened. And then there's the revelation. I mean, there, there's the inspiration gifts, which I just talked about it a second ago, which is prophecy to edify, comfort, and exhort that God gives you this prophetic gift. And then there's tongues and interpretation of tongues, which both of those put together equal to the gift of prophecy where you get to speak encouragement unto somebody. These gifts are all available to you. But we're stuck in the outer courts just thinking that it's, you know, because Terrence is holy and Joanna is filled with the spirit and Joanna is filled with the spirit. These guys are just, it's for them. It, it, it's for the guys who know God. It's for Rick Sam who has the gift of prophecy in him, who understands the gifts of the spirit. It's so that he can do it because, you know, he got it and he learned it. It's for all of us. But we got to move from the outer courts to the inner courts. We have to move from Passover to Pentecost. And then we find our way into the gifts and then we start walking into the tabernacles this is where i'm gonna land this thing because i want to show you this is where it gets really good this is where it gets really good everybody say progression of threes 
everywhere in scriptures, you're gonna see, everywhere in scriptures you see it as progression of three. I mean, just life, just life. It's, it's threes. You have like leaves, then you have the tree, and you have roots. Like, I mean, just in life, you see it. All through scriptures, you see it. it was Passover, it was Pentecost, and then it was the tabernacle. It's the meat of the word or, or, or the milk of the word, then the bread of the word, and then the meat of the word. Jesus himself, he was priest, he was king, and the prophet, the father, the son, and the Holy Spirit. You know that David, he was anointed to fight bears and lions, and then he was anointed over Jerusalem, over Judea, and then he was anointed over all Israel. Do you know that Joseph, do you, do you know he had three coats? We remember the coat of the many colors. But do you know that he had the coat of many colors and then it was stripped from him? And then Potiphar put another coat, the one that his wife took. And then when he got out of prison, he was elevated second to the Pharaoh. And then it said he put, a, he put another coat on him. Do you know that Boaz, I mean, Ruth, was, she was getting grains 30-fold. And then Boaz said, man, she look cute. I like this. Hey, throw a little bit in there. Throw a little bit down. Throw a little bit. Oh, oh, my God, it slipped. Oh, I, I didn't. 60-fold. But then he said, I don't, I don't only think you're cute, but I want to take care of you, your descendants, and everybody. I want to, I want to take care. I want to redeem you. You own everything a hundredfold. I mean, you can go down the list and see threes, and everywhere that you look, we ourselves are a three. Body soul or your mind and your spirit i mean you're seeing the progression of three everywhere you look but how do we go from the outer courts and then we get to this inner courts and then something beautiful happens because all of a sudden now we walk into the holy of holies that's when it gets good i want to show you something because i think it's important for you to understand this watch this jesus says in matthew chapter 16 a paradox matthew chapter 16 verse 25 for whoever desires to save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it explain that to me I mean it's a paradox oh it just means you got to get saved Chino, and you know you lose your life and you just you, you die drink the kool-aid like Jim Jones no it doesn't make sense I, I can confuse you even more Yo, the entire pandemic, we've been quoting one scripture, not understanding the gravity of that scripture, not understanding what it really means, the implications to your own personal life. Second Chronicles, chapter 7, verse 14. I mean, we've been talking about this the entire pandemic, ain't it? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, underline this, and seek my face. And turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. We, we've taken this as an answer to coronavirus, to COVID, to the flu, to all of these different things. And we, if my people who are called by my name would, would humble themselves and would just seek my face, seek my, that's a paradox. That doesn't, that doesn't make no sense. It doesn't make sense because I haven't explained to you. Moses God has told them to build this tabernacle. He's done all of this stuff. Moses goes up on this mountain, right? Same guy. And he gets with God. And God gives him 10 commandments. And while he's up there with God, all of a sudden the Lord says, yo, the people are downstairs 
at the bottom of the mountain. I'm gonna kill them all. I'm killing every last one of them. They made a fake calf out of gold. I'm gonna kill them all. Just chill, God, just chill. Moses runs down the mountain. I can't even imagine how long it took him to run down the mountain. You know what I mean? Like the things we read in the Bible and it's just like one second. No, it was like three days. He gets to the bottom of the mountain and he sees them all worshiping this golden calf. He throws down the, the Ten Commandments. He breaks them and he gets frustrated with the people. And God said, I'm going to kill them all. And Moses, don't, don't kill them. And he says, okay, divide for me the Levites. And here's what he says. Whoever's on my side, come on my side. My side, crooked and crooked and your side. On my side. And whoever's against me on that side. And the Bible says that the Levites and the people who were on God's side pulled out their swords and they killed up to 3,000 of their very own brothers at that very own moment. Destroyed them and took their lives. And it was a great slaughter that happened in Israel. God reconciles. He talks to Moses and he tells him, Moses, come back up here. I mean, let's talk again. And Moses goes back up to the mountain. And I can only imagine because I'm like Moses. I've been sitting there walking around I'm like, man, man. Man, man. Hey, God, look here, man. I, I get it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I understand all of this stuff, but like, bro, I don't even know who you are. Like, if I'm honest with you, like, I hear stuff. It, it may have been a riddling when I was little. I don't, like, why is it that I want to see your face? Like, I want to see you. And look at what the Lord says to him. It'll make sense in a minute. But he said to him, God said to him, you cannot see my face. For no man shall see me and live. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, would turn from the wig, all that, and would, would seek my face. But God, you said if I seek your face, I'm going to die. If I look at you, what, why are you, it's a paradox. You got to lose your life to gain it. It's flipped upside down. That's the kingdom that we live in, right? It's flipped. It doesn't make sense. It's like, yo, wait, hold on, God. You trying to kill me? Like you want me to die? Like this whole thing you brought me here? I think Terrence did a beautiful way of explaining it last week. You brought me to Disney World not to let me in? Like you, this is what you're doing now? Like we're, why are you telling me to seek you? I ain't finna seek you. going to kill me. Yeah. Outer courts, inner courts, holy of holies. In the holy of holies, it's 10 by 10 by 10. Inside of it is the Ark of the Covenant and the throne of God, meaning that two people can't go in there. There's only space enough for one person to get in there and to offer sacrifice. It's just one person that could be in there. I can't go in there with you. We can't go in there together. It's, I mean, it's a small little room. The ark is there. It's just like, oh, don't, don't touch me. It's like you're super tight in there. And if I'm honest with you, you can't go in there. And neither can I. I, I got this flesh. I be cussing people out in my head. I don't say it out loud most of the time. But it's in my head. So if I walked in there. The men that would actually walk in there, they would have these strings that would lead all the way to the outer courts and they would have bells because if there was sin inside of them, they would fall and they would die before the mercy seat of God. And they would have to pull them out dead. Some of them we've seen in scripture, Zacharias, he, he couldn't even talk. Like, I mean, just you would bring them out. Things happen inside of there. People die. You can't go in there though. 
and neither can I. But if there is a progression of three, if we have to move from the outer courts where it's just dealing with salvation, and then we have to move in the inner courts where we are now producing 60-fold, we are living under the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the kingdom, we're useful to the kingdom. We're not just coming to consume, now we're actually giving people and we're producing in the kingdom, right? 60-fold. But if we ever want to get to a place where we have to go into the holy of holies, you got to die. You have to die to your nature. Something happens inside of you where now you're showing up to church early, not because you just want to sing songs. You understand the ramifications of your worship. You understand the war that you begin to do when you open up your mouth. Now the scriptures, you're not scrolling to see when you get to the end of the page. Now you're not on your phone looking to see when the chapter ends. You're not reading Bible verses because you felt bad because you sinned yesterday. And today you got to read five chapters so that you can atone for your sin. Or you're really going to close your eyes. I'm turning Power 96 off. I'm not listening to 99 Jams. I'm not listening to any of that. Today I'm going to listen to Spirit FM. I don't even know if that's a thing anymore. But I'm going to listen to the, the, the other music because I wanna, I'm, 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 I'm going to do right. And we create our own kingdom and our own kingdom rules. But you die to yourself and now you understand why. You understand that there is vision, that God has given men and women vision. God has given you vision. And you understand that the feet to that vision is your finances. So now you're no longer thinking about taking your finances and saying, I don't know what the church is going to do with that. You begin to think to yourself, God, I'm financing the kingdom. I know what I'm doing with my finances. And I see good ground because you have given me the gift of discernment. And I see where this pastor's at. I see where his heart, I see where the fruits are. I see how he's passing stuff to the homies. I see how he's feeding people. I see how he's taking care of single moms I see how he's building strong families and you begin to use it and you're not thinking about yourself anymore because you died because you're dead you no longer cease to exist what happens is the Ephesians chapter 1 30 times in the book of Ephesians 30 times it says that we are in him we are adopted, we are seeds, we are heirs, but we are in Jesus. Meaning that when we die to ourselves, we get took up with him. And we become like Christ and we become in Christ. And there's going to come a day where we're going to be with him for all eternity. But when you cease to exist, you become like Christ. And all of a sudden now, you walk into the Holy of Holies because you're inside of Jesus. And it gives you access to the throne room of God. It allows for you to see the miracles of God. It allows for you to see God's face. It allows for you to stand before him and not have to worry about dying because because you have ceased to exist. It's no longer about you. It's no longer about how good you are or how bad you are. It's about how you died to yourself. You've gone through a progression. My hope and my desire today is that what I wanted to show you was that there's a pathway to freedom. That it starts in progression of threes. That you can walk away from the constant living in sin and getting sacrificed and going back and forth that you can actually walk into a space the Bible says fill yourself up with the spirit so you won't satisfy the lust of your flesh for some of us in the middle of a pandemic we've been living in a porndemic and it's taking your time it's taking your finances it's create a wedge between your friends your wife your husband Instead of being hours in the presence of God, you're finding yourself hours in front of a screen. And you're trying to figure out how can I see more, how can I do more, and it's actually led you to a road where now you're starting to dabble into some things that you ain't got no business dabbling into. Rick talked about the, the keys. There's, there's kingdom keys that God has given us. 
when you have anxiety, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, make your request known unto God. And the peace of God that surpasses understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, that you have a kingdom key that you can actually apply to anxiety and it turns into peace. That when you don't know what you're going to do, you don't know what job you're going to take, you don't know where you are, that in the scriptures, in the Bible, that we have a scripture found in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, that it says, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge. God, I see you. I acknowledge you. I'm with you. I'm spending time with you and all of a sudden one plus one equals two and he will direct your path you don't know what to do it's a kingdom key spend some time with God he'll show you get put your phone away pay a good 150 200 and go to a hotel room and lock yourself up in a hotel room with you your Bible and some worship music I bet he speak to you I bet he tell you everything you need to know but it has to be interrupted it has to be something that you're there with God and God has to begin to show you these things it's a progression of threes it's a progression of threes your, your life doesn't have to remain in sin you don't have to remain in this back and forth you can produce and God can begin to use you in ways that you never imagined there, there are things in your own personal life that God has shown you even when I even when I speak to these things sister with the is that a pink or orange shirt raise your hand real quick right, you e even when I started talking about writing stuff down has God showed you some of that stuff have you have you wrote some stuff down yeah I'm, I'm talking to my sister I love you though but you too <laughs> is that these things are not subject to a prophet I could come in here and begin to give words and, and, sh and show you things. And man, I promise you, I could give you story after story. We had a lady walk into our church and she was paralyzed with one foot. I send videos, I'll show it to you. Paralyzed with one foot and the Lord healed her when she started walking on that foot. I mean, I could go down the list, but it's I, I would be a stupid preacher to come here and tell you about how cool I am or how much I did and how, oh my God, it's incredible. And I told the guy one day that he, God put a fishing rod in your hand and he was like, a fishing rod? I'm like, yeah, he put it in your fishing rod but it's not that you're like a fisherman it's that you you need people to help you when you clean a fish like you catch it but then other people have to clean it and I don't even know what that means and I said honestly he had a guitar in his hand I said the, the fishing rod isn't even the guitar I, you're you're a preacher and he said bro I'm literally starting a brand new church and God began to show and I mean I could go down the list but that has nothing to do with me you can do the same you can do the same it's inside of you if I walk down the aisle and give you a word and begin to tell you these things, I'm telling you, you can do the same. My heart and my desire is not to waste time showing and entertaining, but empowering and activating. I want you to understand that it's inside of you, that you can move from the outer courts into the inner courts, that God can do it and eventually what happens is that you cease to exist yourself. Now you're living in tabernacling with God. Would you do me a favor and would you stand to your feet? progression of threes it's a progression of threes it's the outer courts there's the inner courts there's the holy of holies there's a feast of passover there's a feast of pentecost and there's a feast of tabernacles that jesus had the virgin birth then he had a sinless life and then he had the resurrection i mean it's progression of threes your life was not meant to not progress 
Your life was not meant to stay in the same space. Your life was meant to continue to progress and continue to evolve. God is continuing and wants to do things in and through you. It's not about you stopping there. It's about what God is going to do through you. Yo, this message isn't about me trying to inspire you to go out there and start a business. This message is about the kingdom of God. And there's a responsibility, there's a call, there's a mandate on your life to be able to use the gifts that God has placed inside of you. Remove your insecurities. Remove the things that you think you've done and you don't can't get any God. Get it out of the way and allow for the Holy Spirit to begin to manifest himself through you. We got to progress. We got to progress. Would you do me a favor and would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a second? Would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a second? Now, Father, I pray right now, Lord God, every demonic stronghold, Lord God, every sin, Lord God, everything jesus that is not of you in this place right now father we break and we sever every contract father we pray that you would send warring angels right now lord it was daniel lord god that prayed and he asked you for wisdom and father then he had a conversation with an angel and michael told him you prayed and for 21 days the prince of persia has been holding your prayer but I was sent and dispatched to dismantle the enemy and to deliver this answer to your prayer. Father, I pray that you would dispatch angels right now, Lord God, to begin to break the back of the enemy, Lord God. That every insecurity, Lord God, that every frailty, Lord, that every mistake, that every sin right now would be broken in the name of Jesus, Lord. The enemy has no place in here, Father. I pray that you would sweep through this place with your power, with your anointing, with your strength. Right now, Jesus, I pray that you would do it in the mighty name of your son. Right now, I pray. Now for some of us in this room with every head bowed and eyes closed, for some of us who are inside this room, you're not even in the outer courts. That even as I speak about these things, there's a burning inside of your heart that says, I just want the sacrifice. Chino, I'm on the outside looking in. Chino, I was invited. I, didn't even, I don't even know what's going on right now. I feel nervousness inside of me. That's not nervousness. That is the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that it is a spirit of men that draws all men unto repentance. That it's not an eloquent message. It's not incredible keyboard being played by Matthew. That is a spirit of God inside of you and he's beginning to stir you up. Because he's going to move you from outside the temple, inside the temple. Today there's a sacrifice available to you. And I mean, this is the easiest thing that you would ever do. The Bible says, as your pastor has quoted since the beginning of this church, as we've been taught, been with him in the trenches for years, decade, and we've always learned this one thing. Salvation is free, but it costs Jesus everything. But for you to receive it, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, if you believe in your heart that God raised them from the dead, that you shall be saved. Here's what that means. That means that if you pray, and if you believe that you shall be saved. Now here's the truth. I can help you with the praying part. But the faith part, that's up to you. Because salvation doesn't come because of a message that I just preached with the outer courts and the inner courts and the holy of holy. No, it's the gospel of Jesus. It's the good news. He saved you. He paid the cost. I didn't do any of that stuff. So all you have to do is confess him with your mouth and believe in your heart. And then he empowers you. The Holy Spirit comes inside of you and allows for you to bear the fruit of the Spirit and begin to walk out the life. Do you know, I'm going to make mistakes. So am I. On a daily. I'm going to get in this airplane and get mad at somebody because I want their seat. But today you can move from death to life. Today you can move from a place where you've been living outside of the inner courts and receive the sacrifice that God has for you. And here's what I'm gonna do. I don't need to ask you to raise your hand. You're already standing up. 
Yo, if that's you today and you choose Jesus, today I'm saying yes to Jesus. Would you meet me up here in this front right now? Come on, would you make your way up here? I want to pray for some people. I want to shake some hands. Come on, if that's you, would you make your way out of here? Don't worry about who's around you. Don't worry about who's coming. Come on, church, we can make some noise. Come on. Come on, if that's you, would you make some noise today? God bless you. Come on. Come on, if that's you today. If that's you today, I'm saying yes to Jesus. Come on, I'm saying yes to Jesus. Fix my eyes on heaven. God, I receive your vision. God, I believe you're working. All things Believe you're moving. I still believe you're speaking. God, I believe you're working. All things but good. I speak my eyes on heaven. God, I receive your vision. God, I believe your work. All things are good. And I still believe your word. And I still believe your speak. God, I believe your work. All things for good. I fix, I fix my eyes on heaven. God, I believe your word, all things for good, and I fix my eyes on him. God, I receive your vision. God, I believe your word, all things for good. And would you do me a favor? Would you extend your hands towards everybody who's up at this altar? Father, we just thank you right now, Lord Jesus, for what you're doing. The greatest miracle that we will see, Lord God, is salvation. And Father, before we do anything, Lord God, we want to see that miracle happen in this place. And Father, right now, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, for every individual who's come here, Lord. Every contract, Lord, that has been established on them, every witchcraft, Lord, every word that was spoken, every generational curse right now, we pray in the name of Jesus that because of the blood covenant that your son did, Lord God, that they are now yours, Lord God, that they belong to you. You are the one that knew no sin, but you became sin so that they can become the righteousness of God. Father, I pray, Lord, that as they speak and open up their mouth, as they establish a new covenant, that you would sever every pact, Lord God, every contract that they've established, every covenant that they've entered, that it would be broken today, Lord, and that they would establish a new covenant with you today that today lord god july 10th 2022 will be the mark of a brand new life lord that they would move from the outer courts to the inner courts to the holy of holies that one day we will encounter each other in heaven and we will remember this day come on everybody who's here in the front lift your hands and i want you to repeat this prayer with me everybody in the room i want you to help them say dear father dear father thank you for speaking to me thank you for speaking to me. lord i believe that you came that you lived a sinless life that you died for my sins three days later you came back to life to offer me life lord i receive it and i give you my life i give you my past i give you my present and i give you my future i trust you you're gonna change me you're gonna mold me and you're gonna use me in jesus name i pray amen and amen come on would you put your hands together Come here for a second y'all if you made that decision come here if you made that decision come here 
If you came up to this altar, would you do me a favor and would you slip your hands up? And I know because of the time we live in right now, this might be a lot to ask. But with your hands, would you do me a favor and would you grab the hand of the other person who's on the left to you? I know, I know. Wash your hands later. We got sanitizer. I promise you. Grab that hand. Father, we're a kingdom. And Father, rebellion is as witchcraft. And Father, we read in your scriptures, Lord God. And Father, there is no submission. There is no, there's no forgiveness. There's no healing unless we submit to the king. As we operate in a kingdom, Lord God, there is no us trying to do it on our own way. Father, rebellion is as witchcraft. And Father, today we repent of trying to do it our way. Father, we repent of the pride of insecurity. We repent of the pride, Lord God, of thinking that we are not enough. Father, we repent of the pride of selfishness that we only think about ourselves and how we made mistakes and how you can't use us and how we're going to mess up and how when I tell that person that they're going to fly and that God is sending them to another country and that God is going to bless them and that God's going to allow for them to move in places that they never went, that we're going to start feeling insecure and we're going to think, oh my God, this is just me talking. Father, we repent of the pride of insecurity, Lord God. And Father, today, Lord, as we hang on to the hand that's next to us as a kingdom, as kingdom citizens, Lord, Father, we pray that you would empower us. Today, Father, help us to step out of the six, out of the 30-fold, out of salvation and the blood, Lord God, and help us to step into the inner courts, Lord God, where the candlesticks are, where the table of showbread is, where the altar of incense is. Father, I pray right now that you would use our bodies, Lord God, as living sacrifices. Father, we step boldly into the throne room of God, Lord, understanding that Jesus has given the propitiation, that Jesus has covered us with his blood, Lord, and we no longer have to plead the blood, Lord God. We live on under the blood and father we ask right now in Jesus name that every person that is in this room Lord God every person who has a hand raised that has come up to this altar father that you would fill them with the infilling of the Holy Spirit Lord God father I pray right now that your kingdom would come that your will would be done Lord God father I pray right now that you would descend on them as you did Lord in Acts chapter 2 Lord as you did in Acts chapter 4 Holy Spirit I pray that you would inundate this place and begin to open up their mouth come on if you're in this altar I want you to open up your mouth right now open up your mouth and start speaking come on open up your mouth right now start speaking start crying come on start talking to God father I love you come on I repent of sin father right now open up your mouth in Jesus name father I pray that you would fill them right now father we thank you Lord God that this doesn't have to be a show that this is a promise and it's not only a promise it's a responsibility so father right now I pray Lord that you would fill them right now in the name of Jesus Lord God I still believe your move, I still believe your speak, God I believe your word, all things, I fix my eyes, I fix my eyes on heaven, God I receive your vision, lift your voice, we sing together. Thank you so much for tuning in. 
To hear more messages like this one, please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. And if you like what you heard, please consider sharing with your friends and family to be a blessing to their lives as well. Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at We Are Cool Church. And always remember that you were created out of love.